Coming up in this episode, the security situation for the inauguration of the 45th President of the United States. The head of the Secret Service breaks it down for us. People are bolder today, I think. Uh, people are willing to do things they may not have been willing to do in the past. A key example of what he's talking about happened several times during the campaigns. People have jumped over those bike racks of our security zone into our buffer. In the past, it was very rare for somebody to do that. Today, in this past campaign, people were willing to do it. But there are bigger headaches, terror groups, anarchists, cyber attacks. We'll discuss it all coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Target USA is brought to you by TrueCar. In order to feel comfortable that you're getting a fair price, you need pricing context, information that empowers you to feel confident. With TrueCar, you'll see what other people paid in your local market for the car you want. From there, you can connect with a local TrueCar certified dealer and enjoy a more confident buying experience. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. TrueCar users save an average of more than $3,000 off MSRP. Once you register, you'll see real pricing on actual inventory. This is competitive pricing offered to you only by a TrueCar certified dealer for an actual vehicle on their lot. It's pricing you'll see before going to a dealership so you can feel confident when you show up. And here's something else. TrueCar shows their customers all of their available incentives before they arrive at the dealership. More than 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. So when you're ready to buy, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Inauguration 2017 is upon us. Secret Service Director Joe Clancy describes the threats that emerged during the campaign and the inauguration this way. No question it's been different. By different, it could get intense on Inauguration Day. So what's the Secret Service plan? We're always intense, uh, every day. And since June, they've been going door to door along the parade route looking for anything out of the ordinary, from possible minor protests to anarchists to major terror attacks, even cyber. Whether it's uh, HVAC systems or alarms or cameras in different sites that the president may attend. We went to talk with Clancy about the inauguration, the preparation, the threats, and how security will unfold on that day and beyond. This is actually uh, the seventh that I've been involved in uh, personally, although the first one was during the Reagan years. It was too cold to have the inauguration. There were uh, some balls that uh, he attended, though. But uh, this one is each inauguration is a little bit different uh, in terms of how the threat picture evolves. Uh, we do more and more with each of these inaugurations as we study the, uh, the threats that are out there 
uh, even from a physical standpoint, of course, our perimeters have extended uh, out there. But also, I'd say uh, from the cyber standpoint, too, um, some of the threats, for example, drones. Uh, I'd say the last inauguration were not much of a threat this year. Uh, obviously, more focus is on, on the UASs and, uh, and how we can detect those and mitigate them. You talk about cyber. Just how big is cyber and how, how, how do you defend against it? Well, we have a critical systems protection directorate uh, division that goes in and looks at how can the bad guys uh, affect whether it's uh, HVAC systems or alarms or cameras or uh, and what are the vulnerabilities in different sites that we, uh, the president, may attend. Uh, so uh, that's what their purpose is. When they're not doing that, they're actually doing investigations, doing cyber investigations. So they, their mission is uh, twofold. And the extension of the perimeter, is that a part of the perimeter that you're talking about extending, the cyber piece? I would say yes. Uh, certainly uh, the physical perimeter extends further out uh, and our capabilities physically uh, branch out, but also the cyber piece as well. Uh, and the airspace, uh, more assets that we have to make sure the uh, airspace is secure. There have been inaugurations in the past where people have threatened to protest and people have threatened to try to disrupt activities, and, and, and this one is no, no different. But there seems to be a bit more intensity in some of the organizations that are threatening to disrupt this particular inauguration. How are you viewing this? Well, we're aware that uh, certainly more people have applied for permits and there are more groups that may attend. But candidly, throughout the campaign, it's been a very passionate campaign. Uh, we've both on the pro-President-elect uh, Trump side and then also those against uh, throughout the campaign, we've been dealing with this. And uh, we've developed great relations certainly with our partners throughout the campaign. But here in the National Capital Region, working with Metropolitan Police Department and uh, the Park Police, uh, we're accustomed to working with these crowds. As you know, at the White House, we have protests uh, every day almost. So uh, we're accustomed to working with these. There have been a number of situations that have taken place this year that a lot of people have found themselves surprised regarding cyber and regarding threats from outside the United States. How do you prepare to deal with that, the threats that are not necessarily on U.S. soil? Uh, and I know you have a cyber uh, team and uh, a unit and probably way, way more than, than you can talk about. But give us a sense of how you protect uh, the nation from those threats even being able to penetrate here on such an auspicious day. Well, our responsibility there is specific to our protectees and the venues that our protectees go to. But it's very similar to uh, the sharing of information that you see in uh, joint uh, terrorism task, task forces. Uh, we have a great deal of sharing in the cyber world, too, with the private sector as well as the local and state uh, federal authorities, too. And we're all sharing the information that we have so that we can be uh, uh, strong in this uh, arena as well. Mm. So it's all about intelligence sharing, is that it? Absolutely, and uh, I'm very confident that uh, we're getting all the information that we need from our partners, uh, so we'll be in good shape. Last year, you were concerned about the workforce, having enough people to do all of the things that needed to be done, considering the, you know, the change in the size of the workforce and people transitioning out and other people being, uh, 
very junior. How how does the workforce stand at this point, and are there any concerns about size, force, um, for this this event and moving forward? Well, certainly for this event, um, we've always reached out to local law enforcement and state police and other federal partners uh, to assist us with such a large event. We've always done that for every inauguration. In terms of our staffing, we've made great strides in uh, hiring. Over the last year, we've hired over 800 uh, people, uh, whether it's uniform division agents or our professional staff. So we are slowly building our numbers back up. Um, but also, as Secretary Johnson often uh, talks about unity of effort, and we have gotten great support from uh, the Homeland Security investigators uh, through ICE and also TSA. So uh, this, throughout DHS, this unity of effort uh, has really been a, a plus for us throughout the campaign, and the inauguration will be another good example of that. How prepared are you for the day after inauguration? Because you know, we typically in the, in, the, in the public think of inauguration as, okay, after the oath is sworn, the, the former president is gone, the new president is in, it's pretty much over. But uh, I've been hearing, talking to some of your colleagues at other agencies, that there is going to be some added attention during the course of the weekend. The FBI, for instance, operations center is going to remain in operation beyond Inauguration Day. So I'm, I'm wondering how Secret Service will will manage that or are you back to normal and frankly normal for you is something like this you know at a high level yes and, uh, and certainly there will still be protest groups around after the nssc time frame expires but uh, for us january 20th of course is very important but so is january 21st 22nd 23rd and so on every day is just as important uh to the secret service we've got to be ready 24 hours a day seven days a week and um, whether the president's going to a swearing-in ceremony at the inauguration at the Capitol or whether he's going to a, a small event at a strip mall a week later. Every event, uh, we've got to be uh, prepared, and, and we will be. Do you get the sense, because of global events and e indeed events here in the U.S., that this is a time that may be, from a security perspective, a bit more intense than previous years and in, 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 in the past? Well, I will tell you that uh, we're always intense. Uh, every day with the Secret, Secret Service, we're uh, doing our very best to do what-ifs, what if this happens, that happens, looking at uh, the evolving threats. Uh, for the inauguration, for example, we have met with our partners and done tabletop exercises. Then we've gone out to Beltsville. I was out to our training facility in Beltsville, Maryland, and, and we replicated the parade route. And uh, everyone from the Secret Service who's involved in that uh, parade uh, on the inauguration day was out there, and we went through scenarios um, so everyone would know what to do if um, anything from a protester came out to uh, a medical issue to something more uh, serious. So uh, the training is really a big piece of this inauguration, uh, and we've uh, emphasized that with all of our people and, uh, and our uh, partners, whether uh, it's federal partners, but uh, also even the White House military office. You know, we work with them through some of these scenarios so that uh, everyone's on the same page and we're well prepared. How far back did you begin preparing? Uh, and if you, I wonder if you could just briefly step us through some of the things you had to do to take care of in order to prepare, say, the parade route. 
Yes. Um, how far back did you start and what did you have to do? Yes. Well, we started with our Washington field office back in June of uh, 2016. That was a des this was designated an NSSE, a National Special Security Event, in July of 2016 by Secretary Johnson. But the first thing we do is we set up a, we've got this model. Uh, we've had this National Special Security Event model since uh, 1998. Uh, the first one in the World Economic Forum uh, in Houston, Texas. And now um, we set up these an executive steering committee and then subcommittees. Uh, we have 25 subcommittees in this model, and each committee is responsible for a specific area such as um, intelligence, transportation, uh, business community. This is a relatively new subcommittee, the business community, to ensure that those that are impacted, those businesses that are impacted, we go out and we talk to them and make sure that um, they can remain open if they uh, are right on the perimeter and make sure that uh, their needs are being met. And I have some personal experience at this. Uh, as you know, I was um, retired for about three years working over at Comcast, and, and I would attend those subcommittee meetings dealt with cable and utilities uh, so that uh, we're well prepared if, say, for example, uh, uh, some of the utilities go down. We've already identified who from the electric company can respond to those issues. Those things uh, and those people are already identified uh, months in advance so that there's no slowdown in, in responding to any issue that may occur during that inauguration. One of the real questions that a lot of people observing Secret Service in action is, are the buildings, you know, uh, and so how are the men and women prepared and how how is the landscape prepared for the men and women we see things that are roped off uh, we see routes that are closed off so how is the landscape prepared tactically for the men and women who have to patrol them during the course of the event in this particular parade route yes so each part of the parade route is uh, broken down into sectors and we assign agents to uh, sectors and then their responsibility is to go into each of those businesses those office buildings and see are you having any activity on inauguration day if you are who's coming and uh, uh, we make sure that uh, we give our contact information out so that if they have any abnormal activity occurring leading up to the inauguration they that business or that office building uh, those personnel know who to contact but uh, we we go door to door knocking on the uh, buildings mm -hmm. Are there certain vantage points or certain levels or certain spaces in certain buildings that are off limits on that day? No, uh, for the most part, if it's coordinated with us so that uh, all the tactical teams are aware, uh, we, of course, we don't want any surprises, but uh, as long as our tactical teams are aware of if there's a, uh, if there's a group that's going to be on top of a building, for example, and we're on the eighth floor, we want to know everyone that's in that building. In your entire career, have you ever seen a scenario and you say you're intense every day, and I understand what you're saying. But have you ever seen a time frame in American history when it was ever more important to be on top of your game than right now today? Well, I will say that um, we'll go back to President Obama's first inauguration, 2008. We knew we would have unprecedented numbers there, uh, and we did. I think they estimated 1.8 or 1.9 million people there. Uh, so that was pretty intense for us, and there were some intelligence issues as well. So that was a very intense uh, inauguration for us. This one, uh, and the campaign as well, no question it's been different. I've described uh, people are bolder today, I think. Uh, people are willing to do 
things they may not have been willing to do in the past. And one example in the campaign is that people have jumped over those bike racks or our security zone into our buffer. In the past, it was very rare for somebody to do that. Today, uh, in this past campaign, people were willing to do it. But as you saw, uh, our people were prepared for that. Even though we didn't have that many in the past jumping those barricades, everyone knew their role, as you saw in Dayton, Ohio, where uh, some agents went directly to Mr. Trump, others went directly to the individual who jumped over the bike rack. That's based on training. Uh, everyone knows what to do, and this inauguration is no different. Everyone has a, a role to play uh, in whatever scenario they're confronted with. Uh, so this one, again, back to your question, I think people have been bolder and uh, more willing to um, uh, do things we may not have seen in the past. But I will also say that the Secret Service certainly realizes that uh, the First Amendment rights are paramount, and we have to not interfere with anyone's First Amendment rights. But if they're going to do something that is an overt act to one of our protectees, uh, then there are consequences. Uh, so uh, certainly express your, uh, your First Amendment rights, your freedom of speech, but uh, do it uh, safely uh, within the law. Mm. A couple more really quick questions. What, if you had to name one thing or a couple of things, are the things you're most concerned about in terms from a security perspective? Are there a couple of things that are at the top of the list? You know, every day I think of something different. Every day. Uh, you can name as many day. as you want. <laughs> every night I wake up uh, and I think, do we have this covered? Uh, and uh, so, um, you know, it starts, you know, the inner perimeter, you want to make sure that. Uh, our inner perimeter is locked down tight with um, uh, protection of our protectees. And then you start to branch out to the middle perimeter and the exterior uh, wider perimeter. And um, throughout all that, in the security posture that we must have, we also have to be conscious of making this a, uh, a great event for the American people, too, that are attending. Uh, we have to make sure the logistics are in place so that people can get to where they need to get to. No doubt, it's going to be an intense couple of days. You can read more about it at WTOP.com. Search National Security. Coming up in our next episode, with a new president in place, it's going to be back to business as usual. Top of the list is still the Islamic State Group. The entire eastern sector of Mosul has been liberated, but the Iraqi security forces are running into some serious problems, namely the ingenuity of the Islamic State group. They've used vehicle-borne improvised explosive devices. They've used civilian shields. Uh, and they had dug very elaborate defenses. We're talking about tunnels and berms and emplaced a lot of booby traps to really slow things down. So as the enemy hides in these buildings, and there are more than 200,000 buildings in Mosul, um, it's just very, very challenging and slow and tedious and dangerous work. That's coming up on our next episode. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey, this is Steve Bertoni, host of the Forbes Interview Podcast, launching January 17th. My first guest is Adam Carolla, comedian and king of podcasting, sharing how he turned his persona into a media empire. I came from a world where nothing really ever worked out and no one ever got to do what they want to do, not for a living. 